Forgotten Flicks, Episode 53, Weird Science, 1985. Look, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to concentrate on the road. You better concentrate a little harder. You're about to run a red light. Oh, shit! Hello, one and all, and welcome to the Forgotten Flicks podcast. I am Joel, joined as always by... Jason. This is special. It's special? It is, yes. Because we've actually seen Anthony Michael Hall in person. In person. We're finally doing this movie. Yep. And actually, you know what? I ought to probably. I I ought to probably. Well, I'm from Florida. (laughs) I'm from Florida, y'all. I I ought to probably. Uh, Yes, I'm going to, I think, take the 45 minutes of video that we recorded during that little Q&A that he did at Mayhem in, what was that, March? Is that March? Uh, May. Okay, it started with an M. I knew that. (laughs) Yeah, so we'll go ahead and maybe throw that on the old YouTube channel that gets so much action. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, but I, Jason, I would say this episode is a little more, it's special for, I don't know, two other significant reasons that's prob- that are probably, you know, trumping the Anthony Michael Hall crappy Q&A we got. Not because he well, was crappy, but because the video was kind of crappy. Yeah, and other than the fact that this has been, um, normally, this has been a movie that's been on the list for a long time. We've had a lot of requests for it. And this would be a super special episode in itself because we're doing weird science, but we're amping it up another notch. You Little want, nitrous. You want to tell the people why, Jay? <laughs> because we have two uh, fantastic podcast legends on the show with us tonight, um, two folks that helped kind of get our start in the podcasting world, and that would be the one and only, or two and only, um, Ryan and Jen Ozawa. Yes. Hi. Aloha. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. And of course, Ryan and Jen do Pop Spotting. You can check them out at popspotting.com. It's a fantastic podcast. And that does that come out? Is that every day of the week or is it just? It's five days a week. It is five but, days a week. Uh, only okay. three weeks a month. We, do, okay. we did start inserting a, a little bit of survival time. Yeah, I don't honestly, man. Even because they're about, what about, give or take 15 minutes ish, right? Yep. In yep, that ballpark. Correct. Yeah, and honestly, I have no idea how you're doing that every day. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't figured it out too. Uh, by the end of by the end of our recording sessions, it it feels like it feels like we're in another world. Yeah, I bet it does. And of course, <laughs> you guys did the transmission, which is a very great, successful lost podcast. And how and how many years did you guys do that? Um, well, we did it. Let's see. We started in season, season two, two, and then we stopped, and then we we did it for I think a total of five years. Okay, excellent. Yeah, and I think I actually start because I actually didn't start on Lost until about halfway through season two, and that's when I got into it. And I'm, I think, right at the beginning of season three is when I came upon your podcast. So uh, I was listening ever since then. So Fantastic. yes, we, we really appreciate you guys coming on. This is going to be awesome. We of course are talking about Weird Science from 1985. This was a personal favorite of mine. This was one of those movies I watched over and over again. And at some point, I'm sure I will tell the. Not so embarrassing story about how a friend and I tried to um, maybe, I don't know, 
recreate a certain scene with a Commodore 64 and his sister's Barbie doll. And I will tell you one thing, folks. The movie's BS. You know why? Yeah. Because the wind did not blow nearly that hard. Okay, when crap blew up, the doll up, just melted all over your table. Yeah, and and, and like and, yeah, and like when the girl showed up, I didn't want to get that. I was that was just awkward. <laughs> but yeah, so Jason, um, would you um like to maybe um I don't know hear the uh, weird science trailer? Oh gosh, this is actually a better one than the last two. Yeah, considering there was done. nothing in them, <laughs> just like this is not music. just music. Yeah. Yep. Uh, this this plays out really well, so I would love to hear this trailer. All right, here we go. That's not a bad idea. What? Making a girl. Actually making a girl. This is Wyatt and Gary. I give her Wamdigis mammary glands. Something's about to change their world. Something out of this world. She's alive. Alive! What would you little maniacs like to do first? It's all in the name of science. Weird science. If you want to be a party animal, you have to learn to live in the jungle. Not us. Not here. No way. She is turning their lives. Trust me for once, will you? What is going on? Gary, I don't know. I don't know. Their minds. (laughs) And their house. Upside down. It's seriously affecting your sex life. (laughs) It's completely unnatural. Do you realize it's snowing in my room? Totally unbelievable. What's going on? And definitely weird. Hi, dudes. They went from zeros to heroes in one fantastic weekend. That's so good. Universal Pictures presents a John Hughes film, Weird Science. It's purely sexual. Isn't it always? <laughs> <laughs> it always is. It always At is. At least this movie is. <laughs> this this podcast is, Jason. Really. Well, yeah, yeah in general. Yeah. Sure it is. So, well, yeah. <laughs> what you two gentlemen do when you're not recording is none of our business. That's exactly. <laughs> hey, you know what? Thank you for not judging us, Ryan. It's nice. You know, normally the wives are judging us, but I'm like, look, it's all See, good. And that brings it up because it always comes back to, how did we get married? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a long story. And so, lots of money. <laughs> so, Jason, before you get in here, yeah, you had lots of money? So, if uh, Jason, before you get into your synopsis, I'm going to go ahead and play one of our tried and true JV spoiler alerts. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. Spoiler alert, please. I have the distinct feeling that once JV realizes we were doing weird science this week, he's going to be very upset he didn't get he didn't send me one. (laughs) Although who knows by the time you're hearing this, maybe he did and I plugged it in. Hmm. Only time will tell. So, Jason, (laughs) you want to get us with a synopsis? Yes, uh, this was uh, basically the story of <clears throat> Gary and Wyatt, two nerdly boys who, in the opening sequence of the movie, become – they get pantsed in front of the entire gymnastics team, female gymnastics team, um, and sets the stage for basically they can't get girls. They're not very popular. Um, they can't get into the in crowd. So they decide they're going to make their own woman after Gary – or. Yeah, Gary watches weird um, oh, Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yeah, yep, the original Frankenstein from Universal Pictures. 
uh, he decides that's not a bad idea, which they played in the trailer. So he and Wyatt basically take his computer, start putting in all kinds of uh, <clears throat> inappropriate data, and <laughs> decide that they don't have enough computing power to do it, so they're going to tap into what I can only assume is NORAD and uh, start juicing up their computer and create some kind of supernatural woman who is played by Kelly LeBrock, and they name Lisa. And Lisa has powers to make things happen, um, and the rest of the movie is really about her helping them become popular and confident and um, more true to themselves and not worrying so much about what other people think of them. Um, and that's really pretty much the crux of the movie. There's not very complicated. It's very 80s, so other than a couple of little interplays with two girls that they meet at high school that they want to go out with, Lisa helps them kind of get there. That's that's really the main story. So it's yes. not a very complicated synopsis. It, it, indeed, although I am going to pose this question to our guests first. Hmm. Weird science. Is it a lighthearted coming of age teenage sex romp or is it really about the manifestation of two young boys struggling with their sexuality and Lisa represents a manifestation of their id? What do you think? Oh, that's heavy. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. I couldn't care less. <laughs> John Hughes. Yeah. Your turn. Yeah, John Hughes. Yes. Exactly. When in doubt. <laughs> no, seriously. So um, I guess we'll just, we will throw, throw it over to you guys. What, uh, what do you, did you have, is this one of those that you grew up watching and liked? Had you never seen it before? What is, what is your, uh, your, your feelings on this motion picture? I've, I've I'd seen it roughly 20 or 30 times between all the times that they played it on cable and a couple of my friends really liked it and I'd I'd watch it at their house I I, but it had been a long time since my last viewing and the viewing that that we did just you know like a a few days ago and I had forgotten a lot of the movie I, I remembered some of the scenes very vividly but I forgot a lot of the plot and the the funny thing about this movie is that these two guys are ostensibly really nerdy and, and, and unpopular, but then we meet the popular guys played by Robert Downey Jr. and and Robert I, I don't I can't remember his name yeah but he, I know the he two was popular in guys Elm Street Part Two I, a wrestler yeah I, I I I don't understand I mean I would I would date <laughs> Wyatt and or Gary before either of those guys and just. <laughs> The whole the whole conceit of how these guys are unpopular and and how the rich kids look it seems so backwards it, it's it, it was so strange even, even when they made the the little the little uh, sensuous eyes at Lisa that didn't <laughs> well We're no sorry. I mean the, the bras on the heads I think that's a that's a that's a deal breaker for me yeah that was, but that was a little awkward yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, and it's funny because, like, to your point about, you know, like, uh, you know, Wyatt. I mean, he's obviously this very cute kid. You know, he's not, you know, I mean, I guess Gary. And one thing I did like is the fact that they they use teen, real teenagers. So you could even see, like, a couple of zits on Anthony Michael Hall's chin. I mean, it was they were not perfect. And that's one of the things I do appreciate about movies, you know, pre, you know, late, mid to late 90s when you actually – you know, had people that looked like real people and they just, they, you know, they didn't look at, they, you know, from the age of 12 went through some kind of, uh, you know, plastic factory or they haven't, you know, CGI'd them to death. So, uh, you know, I, I do appreciate the fact that they seem that way. I will add this, though. 
because I am like you, Jen. I saw this movie a thousand and one times. I mean, crazy amount of times. But I found the Wyatt Lisa kiss as a kid thought it was awesome. I found it really uncomfortable. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's, it's supposed to be uncomfortable. I mean, this is obviously a kid who doesn't know how to kiss. Yeah, and I mean, it's, just... it's always hard to watch when when there's like that kind of. When, when they're these two characters that well, have nothing in common and they kiss. Not just that, though. I mean, now that we're parents and we have yeah, that's where know, I'm going growing with children, uh-huh. and you're like, well, you know, good for him and all that. Yeah, yeah, but. but... Uh... <laughs> I, mean, I, guess I don't Okay, know. wait. I'm going to back this train up for a second because, yeah, the kiss was a little uncomfortable, and he's 15, and, you know, he'll be 16 in June. Um, the walking out in the girl's panties, that was a little more uncomfortable, I think. So. <laughs> really? That's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite uh, scenes, visuals, and sort of sequences in the film. You know, I, I've seen the film a lot of times as well, um, but mostly around the time it was, you know, really popular and, and back in the '80s for sure. Oh, yeah. And I probably haven't seen it for over a decade. You know, maybe clips here and there. It's one of those movies that you make pop culture references to all the time, mm-hmm. but. I have to admit, watching it just a few days ago, specifically because of this fantastic opportunity to be on this fantastic podcast, I think that I liked my memory of the movie mm-hmm. a lot better than I actually liked the movie. <laughs> like, it was like I think it would the way that I remembered it was fantastic. And although it was fun to see it again, I'm like I, I don't know. You know, I think that what it represents is much more wonderful than what we actually got on film. Okay. Yeah, and well, that's actually... true. From oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was, I was just going to say, we actually call that C&D. That would be cinematic nostalgia disorder. Well, no, I will truthfully, <laughs> C&D, though, is when you can't let go of it, which is like what I think I might be suffering from in this particular instance. So I'm going to let everyone talk before I talk. So, Jen, what were you going to say? <laughs> just that it seems to, that seems to be like a common thing for 80s films is that they seemed mm-hmm. so awesome when yes. we were young. And, and now as, you know... 30, 40 year old people. It just seems really dated and weird. I would put in that. I like that CND, and I'm sure there's a, a lot of other ways and other, you know, it's a, it's a familiar thing because Jen, I mean, I barely remembered uh, Highlander, just as an example. Uh-huh. And Jen was like, you got to watch it. It's, it's like one of my you. favorite movies. You got to see the Highlander. And then we're sitting there and we're watching the movie, and I'm looking at her like, really? Really? <laughs> I, I heard I heard your show when you guys were talking about that, and that first thing that popped in my head is, "Yep, C and D strikes again." Because, <laughs> yeah. well, now here's an example: like RoboCop. When I was a kid, I remember like liking it, but eh. but as an adult, I appreciated it on a whole other level because I could read, I could get into the satire, and I and I got a lot of the jokes and the the refer- what they were trying to do. I think with that picture, mm-hmm. obviously, it's extremely over the top and extremely violent, but it was really entertaining to me, even more so as an adult. So I had like the opposite reaction to that movie, but they, they've been few and far between. I mean, there've been, you know, a handful that I've just been like, Oh yes, it still holds up for me, but there've been unfortunately a number of them that I, I try not to be, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, be one of the kind of the typical, you know, fanboy podcasting things where all you do is you just watch these movies to rip them a new one. Um, but at the same time, uh, a lot of them don't like to, you know, like what you're saying, they just don't hold up for you. Now, Jason, what um, what was your takeaway? Well, we mentioned this the last episode. We kind of talked about the fact that we were both really nervous about rewatching this because I have lots of fun memories. And as Ryan mentioned, I, I use this as pop culture reference a lot. I mean, there's very quotable lines. There's lots of um, memories in it that people remember if they had seen it, um, even if they didn't see it when it first came out. So getting ready to watch it, I know how big of an 80s movie this was. I was so nervous about it coming across as, to me, cheesy or didn't work or um, some of the other movies that we've talked about. 
I was actually surprised. I there was it was very eighties like because you know a lot of the references were um, dated, but it still kind of worked for me. And there were a lot of moments that I found myself laughing out loud. Um, primary among them that I liked it is I kind of forgot how hot Kelly LeBrock was. So. Oh no, she's yeah, ugly. She, she's, she's ugly, Jason. Wow. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I can't no, keep a straight You know, face you know sometimes you look back at oh, 80s movies with with whoever the bombshell was supposed to be and and you look back and you're like, "Man, okay. You know, I was a teenage kid when I watched it, so she was hot." Um, but now you look back and, "Yeah, okay." Cuz we talked about that with The Last Dragon, you know, some of the big giant hair that was in the movie, but uh, yeah, Kelly LeBrock was very very. You would argue she holds up <laughs> very well. Yeah. Yes. So. Well, and it's interesting because one thing I noticed, though, about her, she actually is good. Like, I think that was what one of the things that jumped out at me is I actually found yeah. like because I mean, how many because I think she was a model at the time. And yeah. I mean, if anybody could remember, like Cindy Crawford and was it fair game with one of the Baldwin oh. brothers? I they. Um, <laughs> but, but a lot of times you get, you know, actresses that are coming from that background that. But I think she carried what she had, you know, did what she had to do. And I, and I never once yes. kind of felt like, you know, it was just this very uh, wooden, one dimensional kind of performance. No, her lines and, and she carried it very, very well. I mean, her um, being kind of the, the temptress, the untouchable, she really did a good job at it. And it wasn't just the way she looked. It was the way she acted and the way she interplayed with with, uh, um, you know, Gary and Wyatt, uh, played by Anthony Michael Hall and and. Ilan Mitch, is it Ilan? I think it's Ilan, right? Ilan? Sure, we'll yeah. take yeah. that. He be Ilan, <laughs> yes. He be Ilan. Um, but she did a great job working uh, with those two, and even with her scene with Bill Paxton, which is one of my favorites. Oh, God, um, he's so great. He of, course, he, of course, plays uh, older brother D-Bag Chet. Yeah. Um, oh, wait, wait, you mean... You mean... Spinning this? Stood, buttwide. <laughs> <laughs> he pukes. You die. <laughs> I have like 25 of these on here. I <laughs> promise I won't do all of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the highlights of this movie, obviously, to me, was uh, Bill Paxton, because I'm a big fan of his. But he was just so funny of, as the, the older kind of jerk-off um, brother from military school who was supposed to be watching Wyatt. And um, my favorite is really the, the part when they come home drunk <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, Wyatt and Gary come home drunk because they've been out all night at the candy bar and uh, drinking, I, I, what do they call it, blind dog bourbon? <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. That right? Yeah. Um, and they come home and, and Gary is absolutely smashed and Wyatt's trying to talk to Chet. And Chet, and Chet goes for the line, mmm, how about a nice greasy Oh, oh Jason, Jason, sandwich? Jason, just for you, my friend. How about? A nice, <laughs> greasy pork sandwich served in a dirty ashtray. <laughs> yeah. You are it. prepared. Uh, you know, I, I try. I'm not really prepared for anything else in my life, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, weird science clips, absolutely. Yeah, I am loaded. loaded. I do yeah, want to jump in just to say yeah. that <laughs> I completely agree with Kelly LeBrock. She is the grown-up in this movie. She's yeah. the only one who I think is in the movie, in the moment. Yeah. Everybody I mean, else is 
acting out. Yeah, you know, that's I a good way of looking at it. She is. Uh, if if it wasn't for her, it it would have just been completely ridiculous all the way through because everybody is a cartoon character in this movie, oh, and yeah. that and that's enjoyable. But I like that she was both maternal, yes. you know, caring and in charge, but also the sexy temptress that's going to seduce everybody and kind of the taskmaster. Yeah. So I mean, she had to drive the entire movie. Yeah, and it's interesting because if you think about like the ending, and you know, this we're in spoiler territory here, so, but. She brings, and I, the word I think gravitas gets thrown out a lot, but I think she really does bring it to that moment between when she's telling them goodbye and the, the sort of teary-eyed yeah, goodbye. She's especially good in that scene. Yeah, yeah. And, and just like, if it hadn't been her, and if it had been, you know, again, somebody you know playing it more cartoonish or wouldn't, I just don't, I mean, none of that would have worked. And that it was definitely one of those sort of classic Hughesian, you know, meant to be tear-jerky, like planes, trains, and automobiles, or, you know, Uncle Buck, like where he always has the kind of, you know, little sappy sentimental moment but you know it gets you every time so i definitely think she carried that movie i think between her and bill paxton i definitely think they were the top tier and i think pax obviously was meant to be you know over the top and and, and he was just peppered in enough because i think if he had been in it too much it would have been too yeah. much but uh, too sweet yeah it would have added a little too much um but she was definitely one of the things that struck me about it rewatching it that I didn't even think about watching it the first time was she came in more like the guardian angel character. Yeah. She was the one kind of guiding. Everything happens for a reason. She knew it. She was the calm, normal one. And although she was the Barbie doll. <laughs> it was, well, she often, she, everything happened for a reason, but she often was the reason like the biker scene. Well, yes, but I mean, she, she, she orchestrated everything. Yeah. So, she was the normal person. Everybody else was just reacting to the movie. So, um, you know, even when Wyatt and Gary at the end kind of realized that she was trying to get them to come out of their shell, and um, it, it, the only part of this that really stood out as odd to me was the whole. She. It was almost like she came more as, like I said, a guardian angel, and not like they created her because the whole hacking into NORAD and they just plugged jumper cables into a Barbie doll. <laughs> yeah. a little odd. <laughs> well, you know, actually, I I would really agree with what you're saying. My recollection of the movie was that they created a beautiful woman that did anything that they wanted her to do. Yeah, that's how I remembered the movie. And then you watch the movie, and it's like she's smarter than. I mean, she has the big picture in her head. Maybe it was mm -hmm. the picture of Einstein that they scanned in, but something was there was a lot more going on with her than just you know a, a robot slave to to fulfill your every fantasy. I got it. She's Jacob's sister. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, you know what? Of course, they did put Einstein's picture into their scanner, which would, of course, give her a 200 and whatever it was IQ. <laughs> yes, yeah, I actually was thinking when I was watching it again, I, I, the first thought I, I came to me and Ryan, you're, you're a pretty techie guy, right? I, I, <laughs> yes, I definitely well, get that. I pretend to be. Yes, I definitely have gotten that vibe. So I wasn't at that age. Um, hence why I legitimately thought when a friend and I sat down at his Commodore 64 that we could do this. <laughs> I'm like that. I remember being like 11 or 12 and really believing, yes, if we could just figure out. Yeah. Uh, but watching it now, I'm not saying that I, my tech level is that high, but I you know, have to do some programming and things that work, some very you know, basic stuff. And I know enough to know, give me a bleeding break. I mean, I understand it's supposed to be goofy over the top. It's called weird science. But I always love in movies when they're hacking into things or, you know, did they, <laughs> did they actually create the singularity at one point? <laughs> hey, when you throw lightning in, anything can happen, really. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Yeah, because your Commodore 64 could control the weather. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, so and it was an interesting little trivia bit that I, you know, a little research that I did on the movie was that Weird Science itself was actually an EC comic. Uh, William right, right. Gaines, who did Mad TV, I mean, Mad TV, yeah, that became Mad TV, Mad Magazine, and, of course, Tales from the Crypt, um, also did Weird Science. And I guess Joel Silver, who also had the rights to uh, Tales from the Crypt, bought the rights to this, and I, they actually said this was based loosely on, like, the fifth episode of the, of the you know, comic, that there was, in fact, uh, I guess, an issue that dealt with a similar storyline. I don't know to right, what degree right. they were using computers, but... Uh, so I just thought that was kind of an interesting... And it kind of, when you watch it in that context, it it helps explain a lot of the wackiness and sort of the completely outside of reality moments that happen in the movie. Because uh, most of Hughes' stuff would get a little absurdist at times, but usually if he was directing it, it always was a little bit grounded, at least in an emotional reality, that I don't know that this movie always was. At least that's the, the I mean, you look at the Breakfast Club. I, I like to think of this as like a bridge between Breakfast Club and 16 Candles and movies like that and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Because right. cause this movie breaks the fourth wall like Ferris did. Um, and I think there was a moment in 16 Candles where they broke it. But I don't know that they did it in Breakfast Club that I can recollect. Um, but, you know, I, I, this movie had interest. It's almost like an interesting bridge from a career perspective for him. You know, I, I really still can't explain Curly Sue. So, unless yeah, but, but there were some. I don't little... think anybody can explain yeah, Curly Sue. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I can't. No. Um, there were some little things in this that I thought, um, if they had just cut some little scenes out that I know were meant to reinforce the whole supernatural moment, um, but just really seemed to, to pull it out. I mean, I can understand from if you look back to say War Games, where uh, Matthew Broderick's character kind of dials into the massive computer and can do right. all those things. It felt more real. But throwing in things like the dogs standing on the ceiling as the woman looked up and the whole, you know, the people start dancing in the photograph and, right, you know, right. his mom and dad start. That felt not so much technical, which is what they were supposed to be doing in more poltergeist kind of well, stuff. You know, I think that's where the comic book inspiration yeah. might come from. But I hear what you're mm-hmm. saying. I mean, I, I was thinking about uh, uh, war games as well when, when they're, t- you know, you, they pull out the acoustic coupler, coupler and put the phone mm-hmm. on it and all of that. And, you know, we all we all loved our Commodores and everything. But <laughs> it just goes, not only does it go a step too far, but I, I agree. I kind of think it goes a little too long. And you talked about that emotional moment with Kelly LeBrock toward the end. You talked about the heart that this movie has, and it does have one. Mm-hmm. And you talk about Breakfast Club, which came out the same year, uh, 16 Candles the year before. You get to Pretty in Pink and Ferris Bueller. Um, there is, there, that's what I think is what they gave up here with Weird Science. They kind of gave up the, the, the really emotional heart to it, kind of the mm-hmm. affection that I might have for some of these characters because they got so slapstick. You know, yeah. uh, a little goes a long way. I mean, it's it's weird to me that Elon Mitchell Smith didn't really go on to do anything, and and Anthony Michael Hall did. Mm-hmm. When watching this movie, I was I I could have dealt with a little less Anthony Michael Hall. Mm-hmm. You know, he was actually a bit much for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when in the scenes where where they're drunk and he's making that voice, oh, that yes. drunk voice, the pre Cartman. <laughs> It goes on so long, yeah. you know. I think the joke would have been better if if we had heard about a third less yeah. of that voice because <laughs> after that it just becomes kind of shrill and, and annoying. So yeah. I think, yeah, Elon Mitchell Smith's performance to me is better than Anthony Michael Hall's. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's funny that you say that because I was thinking the same thing watching it, that from the point where, where he s- starts to be drunk at the candy bar – 
all the way through the driving scene, all the way back to where they interact with Chet, I just thought that voice was getting to be too much. You know, they could have cut half of that at least, and it would have still been funny. Well, so, and that's really the the interesting point from from my perspective was again having seen it, I, I just unca- you know countless times as a kid, and I, I'm I, as they were saying lines, I was still quoting along with it as the movie was going on. But at the same time, the one thing I, I pulled out was that I felt like after watching it from beginning to end, and it, just like you guys, it's maybe been 15 years since I've seen it. It felt very um, almost like vignettes. Like there was, it felt like there was something missing. Like there was a, a connective tissue that, that it just felt like we just kind of went from one scene to the next in this kind of haphazard fashion. Like it didn't really, for me, it it just felt like, Oh, and here we are here. And it's like, oh, wow, we're already at the party. I mean, it seemed like there was more that happened <laughs> with Lisa. Right. You know, like there wasn't just a, there wasn't very much to really establish their relationship with her. Like, oh, we love her. We, you know, we were worried about hurting her, but why? Because pretty much the whole movie, you just wanted to shower with her and get the guts up to sleep with her. <laughs> yeah. But you didn't, you know, there was never those, I never got the moments other than the ending, really, where you had that bond really forming uh, and i guess maybe her pulling the gun on gary's dad that part that was kind of awesome <laughs> well and so i i agree i mean there's kind of that through line that you're looking for like what tied all of this together yeah. and it does come down to kelly lebrock and and that first kiss with uh with wyatt yeah um and 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 toward the end but i can see what you're saying that they kind of jump from ridiculous idea to ridiculous idea and in fact i've completely forgot about the where wyatt and and Gary basically try to sell her out and say, "Oh, we want to be cool, uh, so we'll yeah. help you make another. We'll help you make another yeah, hot yeah. chick. Like, yeah. Forget about this. Forget about this, Lisa." And I'm like, "Oh, that's kind of uncool." I don't oh yeah, oh yeah, doing yeah. that. Well, I mean, I guess I guess we'll give them uh, bonus points just for not being so sleazy <laughs> that they gave her up. True, yeah, true. to trade for the yeah. two. Yeah, yeah. Chicks. Which, by the yeah. way, did you totally catch that his buddy Max? Um, the they obviously redubbed it because he said you can have Hilly, and whatever the other girl's name was, Hilly and Deb. Deb. He, yeah. He, he didn't say have. They, yeah, I noticed. I noticed. Yeah, that there too. was yeah, definitely an f bomb in there, and I guess I, they, I was. I was wondering if anybody else noticed that, if it was just me, oh, but no, it, it was, definitely yeah. looked like yeah, he was saying yeah. something else. And that was one thing I tell the weird. His mouth was moving definitely different than those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, for sure. And Which I, really, I mean, if they had left that in there, it would have really given the movie a whole different tone. Oh, yeah, that would have been pretty dark. That would have been pretty dark. I mean, if, yeah. yeah. Would have gone to R. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. What if you think about this? Well, of course, at this time, you know, in 85, because PG-13 was still new, they could get it because there was obviously some you know, quick nudity and uh, they, there was a lot of language in general and them getting drunk, uh, you know, and, and I guess insinuating uh, that why it was high and uh, you know so th- you know they could get away it seems like more then with a PG thirteen than they can now. Uh, right, oh, definitely, right. yeah. yeah. Unless you're James Cameron and it's Titanic and you've got two <laughs> major studios behind you and you spent two hundred fifty million dollars and uh, then they you say, can oh, get... okay, yes, sir. What yeah, you say, sir? yeah. Yes, sir. Then we'll do yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll bend the rules for you. Yeah. So uh, sorry, <clears throat> jaded. So yes. The other the other thing was I, that I liked was that I, I felt like this time, I, I again because I wasn't twelve, I picked up on certain things. Like I did love the fact that when the Pershing the missile the nuke got bust out of the top, I always remembered the bird landing on top of it. But of course, this time I noticed it was a white dove. Yes. <laughs> and I and I do at least appreciate that they added those little you know those little things. 
And it's the same little ding that they use when the bird lands on the missile as in the scene in 16 Candles where Jake and Samantha are, are in their houses and they're thinking of each other. And, and her dad comes in and reminds her about the panties. Are you serious? Oh, I didn't yeah. even catch it. That's awesome. Good catch, Jen. Nice. Maybe we need the Wikipedia entry for the ding sound effect in John Hughes' film. <laughs> yes. really. Wouldn't it be cool to like, actually see if it's in all of them? Right, right, maybe. That's, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I, I was thinking about that, that, that missile, though. So, again, we get treated to this wonderful montage in the beginning that if you plug all of this stuff uh-huh. in and all sorts of mayhem, mayhem happens, you get a sentient being containing all of the traits that you've plugged into this scanner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <Yes. laughs> after the missile shows up, I'm like, that poor missile must be very confused. Yeah, like, it, it, it's, it's a missile. Yeah. It's a, it's a giant phallic symbol that's got the heart of the supermodel. Like, oh, what's going on? And, and the that, brain that of Einstein. Yeah, yeah, but it can't speak. It can't hear, and it can't see. So it's basically a Helen Keller missile. Is that what you're trying to tell us, Ryan? I'm sorry. Is it, wow. I'm sorry. Wow. There's a special place in hell for people like me. Oh, God. Sorry, it's late on my end. No, it's good. We actually, one of the things I wanted to talk about is we, there were a, a good number of cool cameos in this. Um, uh, and we saw a lot of, of people that we knew. I mean, you, you mentioned Robert Downey Jr. Um, kind of played one of the two bullies. But um, did you guys catch the David Lee Roth in the beginning? Yes. Yes. All, all Dave, Dave, all night. All night. <laughs> we know yes. what you need. Yeah, and they played one quick um, song from Van Halen when he was uh, part of the group. But did you catch who Gary's dad was? I no. recognized him, but I couldn't. I, yeah, I, I couldn't place him either. Um, he was in a very famous other 80s movie, and uh, it was one in which um, John Candy went to the bar, and he had a skunk haircut. Oh, that's and right. He was in Great Outdoors, struck wasn't he? by lightning. Yeah, he was a lot thinner in that, wasn't he? 66 oh. times. Yeah. <laughs> that was the same guy? Yeah, that was the same guy. He's right. I didn't know that. Yeah. I saw him and I thought, I know that guy. And and by the time we got to the end, because, of course, Gary's dad forgets who he is completely because of Kelly LeBrock's character. Gary. But, Who's Gary? Yeah. <laughs> Who is this Gary character? Um, but it struck me by by the time they got to the end and they're in the car and uh, Gary drives by and he doesn't know who it is. It struck me. It was the, it's the guy from the great outdoors um, that gets struck by lightning 66 times. <laughs> Well, 67, because he actually gets struck before the end of the movie, too, right? Yeah, that's true. 67 yeah. times by the time. Um, yes. Plus, yeah. we also had the biker scene. Oh, yes. Which was Vernon Wells, who was actually in um, Mad Max 2, Road Warrior. He played the bad guy in that. And then he was also the bad guy in Commando, um, which we talked about a while back. But that was another one of those. And actually, the other biker was a, a personal favorite of mine. And we actually did a little trivia on the website for this. Michael Berryman. Uh, was the the bald, yep. tall, gangly guy? He was in The Hills Have Eyes, which is a uh, the original. It's a personal favorite <laughs> yes. of mine. Um, let's keep this between ourselves. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to lose my teaching job. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> yes. So uh, uh, I guess. Uh, it, oh, and then, of course, I wanted to ask Jason. I'm su- I'm assuming you caught um, Suzanne Snyder. I believe was she? She was Deb. Oh yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes, the the lead in uh, Killer Count. Killer- Killer clowns from outer space. Yes, one of my personal all-time favorites. Oh, we'll have to have you guys back on for that because we're well. We hypothetically might be doing that. Really? I, oh yeah. And oh, I, yeah. I hypothetically might actually own that movie. Yeah, and oh, I hypothetically well. might have given it to him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why we're hypotheticaling this, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yes. So yes. So and she was also in, of course, the classic Return to Living Dead Part Two. Yes. Yes. 
Yes, <laughs> good stuff. Covered the first of. And the girl who played Hilly, who, whose name is escaping me, she was in Friday Thirteenth Part Four. There's a lot of like yep. horror people in this. The, did you catch who right, the, prefer, right. the prefer the perfume counter girl was? Oh, Susan. I didn't look her up. No, she looked familiar. Yeah, Night of the Creeps. Jill Whitlow. Yeah, that's right. Night of the Creeps. She was uh, oh. Cynthia Night of the Creeps. Which oh, sorry, ready? How about this for connections? Okay, Craig Reardon did the makeup effects for this. He also did the makeup effects for Night of the Creeps. Sue played the prefer- perfume counter girl in this, also Night of the Creeps, and Robert Downey Jr. was a roommate of, I believe the guy was J.C., the um, the handicapped uh, uh, kid in uh, The Best Friend in Night of the Creeps. Oh, yeah. In real life, yeah, those yeah. The, the actor and Robert Downey Jr. were actually roommates. Really? Mm. Yes. So this, in a weird way, is kind of like a, you know, I, I, I really nothing, <laughs> other than the fact it's a massive coincidence that all these people were connected. But uh, um, I, I have one more absolutely obscure person in this and i'm not joking and i did not look this up on imdb when she is taking the mass photograph with all those guys at the moment when gary and wyatt are upstairs like yes yeah making the rocket and she says oh i'll be right back arthur and he's like it's art yeah and she's like oh yeah art and they focused on him i thought i know who that guy is and i rewound and i paused it and i i looked at him he is playing him yes and he plays uh, well first of all he plays in the csi Right, right, right. That's how I know him. Um, yeah, he plays in CSI, Crime Scene Investigation. He's one of the nerdy guys in the lab. But I saw him and I thought, I've seen him recently, and I haven't seen CSI in eh, probably about a year. He also plays um, one of the characters out at Walt Disney World. He is in um, Animal Kingdom. They have a dinosaur ride. And in the pre-show, he's the dinosaur guy, and he does this whole movie where he talks about <laughs> dinosaurs and going back to um, the Cretaceous period and all that mess. and it's exactly him, and I, I thought, "Wow, okay." That's that's Hodges from CSI, yeah. the nerd, yeah. Yeah. one of the nerds. Yep. Yeah, oh. he's, he's, yep. So, um, and, and, and you have I to be a Florida was... person and a Disney person to know about that particular <laughs> yes. performance. Yes, and, and, and Jason's on top of that, an Orlando person. So that's like the <laughs> right. trifecta. <laughs> yes, I got both. But... Yes, yes. So the other thing I did pick up on and. I don't know if Jen had this experience. Ryan, was this a movie you had seen, like you said, multiple times, or were you pretty much just like you'd seen it a few times? And I'd, I'd seen it maybe six or seven times. Okay, so in enough the 80s. that it was yeah. very familiar. You know, did you, as you were watching it again, did it seem off at points with the music? Like, did any of the music seem like? Wait a minute, was that the music that played originally? Like, as it hit me a couple times, I was like, it didn't feel like some of the music didn't like the tubular bells when they wake up. I didn't remember that being there. Um, I didn't remember that either. Okay. And I always have a very emotional, physical reaction to tubular bells. Yeah, for some it's reason, because <laughs> it seems to me like I would have remembered that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And it's hard building up to when they were going in the gym. No, no, no. When they uh, when they wake up and they think it's a dream, and the oh, tubular oh. bells is playing from The Exorcist, and right, and, and right. It was not that way. So then the other thing that hit me is when she's in the mall, the uh, Van Halen's version of Pretty Woman. That was not yeah. what played. I, I my version in my head the VHS copy that I played in you know ad nauseum did not have that and then the other thing was with the Rocky theme at the end I did not remember that being there well it turns out I looked it up that was all the original I guess soundtrack when it was played theatrically and I don't know if it was a legal thing or what happened but the VHS that we all grew up on had different music 
Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, actually, uh-huh. that makes sense, and we 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 track that when we can because we love any like TV shows uh-huh. that have really great '80s soundtracks, and then you get the DVDs, and it's like just music. Oh, it's just yeah. random crap yeah. that they yeah. throw in there. So, so so what you're saying is what we just watched. I do remember the Tubular Bells that we just saw. Yeah, but. It, that was absent from the most, um, probably the most popular release among <laughs> adolescent and, and teen boys that came out on VHS. Yeah, when it was on VHS, but I, but I guess because it was the theatrical version, you know, the purists were arguing, well, this is you know what Hughes originally wanted, and I mean, I could yeah. see the argument, but from a like you're saying, an emotional standpoint from a you know that, yeah, nostalgia kind of, yeah. standpoint, I, it felt off to me. I'm like, wow, that just doesn't feel right. Like it just. It, it fell off, and and apparently, sixteen candles for the DVD yeah, release is the same like way. Yeah, there are like three different versions of the sixteen candles because there's like in, in different scenes there there are up to three different things playing over certain scenes. Like in the original, it's young Americans playing over the scene where they're all leaving for the wedding, and then on the on the version that they show on TV, it's completely different. Uh huh. See, I'm wondering, it must be like a licensing, or there there must have been absolutely uh, some some. Some legal reasons, some legal snap. Actually, one of my favorite, I brought it up before, one of my favorite shows uh, from the 80s was a show called Werewolf. It only lasted like two seasons. And it was basically The Incredible Hulk, but with a werewolf. And <laughs> and they were supposed to release it on DVD. They apparently had all these extras. It was all set to go. It was even on Amazon for like pre-order. And they had to pull it because I can't remember what band it was, but it was a relatively, they, they played some popular songs. I think they had Mike and the Mechanics and Silent Running was on there. And they had some other songs. But I don't remember the band, but they wouldn't give them permission and they couldn't find the original uh, dialogue uh, recording, so the, all they had was the mixed-down version of everything. Huh. Mm-hmm. So rather than, I guess, do ADR on a couple of the scenes, they just scrapped the whole thing, which personally, just I'm just spiteful, so I would have just done ADR, and I'd probably <laughs> even had people come in with really horrible, like they like, wouldn't even have sounded remotely like, like just thick accent, something, just to prove a point, because it was just a couple of you- scenes. Because then you end up with what we've talked about before, the Married with Children. Oh, DVD, that's so annoying. Which I cannot even watch because the intro to this yeah, show. it's not Love and Marriage anymore. It's not Love and Marriage anymore. It's this weird what? music. Oh, it's horrible, dude. It's like a Casio demo button was pushed to that play. That is awful. And it's kind of Love and Marriage. Like, it's got this Love and Marriage vibe there's to it. Tones, Yeah, there's some tones similar, oh, but it's so, so bad. It really, it just completely. <laughs> it, it reminds it, me of the brief period that, uh, you know, Dirty Jobs. With Mike Rowe, they lost. They for for like half a season. They had their they had expired their uh, rights to. We to care the a lot by Faith No More. So they had to yes, throw in some random yes. sound, and I was like, "This isn't even the same show without that soundtrack." <laughs> <laughs> you got to wonder how do you do that? Like especially a show that's on the air. Like I get married with children because they probably didn't obviously they didn't get it for um you know whatever the DVD release and you know yeah, being streamed right. or or whatever. But like it's a show that's on the air. Like somebody wasn't on top of that, right? <laughs> oh, Deadly Sketch is the same way. Deadliest Catch had Bon Jovi's um, uh, uh, on a steel horse I ride, and and they dead don't play. Yeah, dead or yeah, alive. Dead yeah, alive. Thank you. Um, but they don't have that in the DVD version, so that's pretty contemporary. How can you not know or think about that? Unless it's just ridiculously expensive. And you oh, know and probably there is that aspect too. Yeah. I did like the music in this movie. I mean, though, it's still a pretty good soundtrack oh, for yeah. the 80s. For oh, sure. yeah. Yeah, it really I was. was. I think the theme song is great. I think the theme song is, like, one of the best parts of the movie. Oh, yeah. And there's a reason why Danny Elfman does all of these movies is he's a genius. Yeah, he and really is. It's the, the theme is just so catchy, and, and it's so smart 
that I, I just love it. It's been in my head, stuck on a continuous <laughs> loop in my head for like a few days now. Well, it's funny. It's one of those songs that when it does get stuck in your head, it's not annoying. You yeah, know, a lot of yeah, times exactly. you get that thing stuck in your head and you're like, oh, please. But mm. no, it, it's definitely a fantastic theme song. I agree with that 100%. So well, uh, I love Danny Elfman's Oingo Boingo stuff. So any <laughs> like, um, it's a dead man's party back from, um, oh, was that back to school with uh, mm-hmm. Rodney Dangerfield? Yeah. William Zabka. Yes, <laughs> yes. Finish yeah, him. And this one, you know, that was the best. So he, I love his early stuff. Uh, Danny Elfman's stuff is great. Very, very cool. So any, any final comments, guys, before we get into our, our movie picks about uh, weird science? I'm here. Uh, it, 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 it was fun to revisit, but uh, it, I, I will be completely honest that I will continue to live with my completely inaccurate memory of, of the film. <laughs> I, think I think I actually side with you on things. that. I, I, think I, I think I was kind of in between where you and Jason were, but I think I'm leaning more towards the, I, I would prefer not to watch it again until maybe my kids are old enough to see it or whatever, because I just, yeah, <laughs> my, my, my feeling is definitely more of a, my, my sense memory of it was strong, and it was so strong that I definitely was suffering from CND, because afterwards I looked at my wife and said, I, I don't know that I can be objective about this. Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah. I care I too mean, much I, about I mean, this we, movie. We were trying to ask our daughter to watch it. She had no interest in it, but I was like, oh, but it's charming, and this and that, and boy, it wasn't. I mean, like, I, I think she dodged the bullet there. Yeah, yeah no, I'm no, really glad we didn't make her watch yeah, it. Yeah, it's really not a charming yes. movie. It's actually pretty damn juvenile <laughs> and, and, and just crass in points, but... Um, yes. Okay. So let's go ahead and get uh, right into our picks. I'm going a little old school on that one, Jason. <laughs> so, yes. That's right. Shorter. Yeah, it is a lot shorter. Yeah, as opposed to the really mature one where the guy's plunging the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Ryan and Jen, you are a guest. We would love to start with you. What is your movie recommendation that is somehow, albeit nebulously, attached or connected to grid science? Our pick is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh, cool. Small role from both from Weird Science. It was directed by Shane Black, who's mostly known as a screenwriter for oh, really yeah. terrible action films like The Last Boy Scout. But um, Kiss Kiss <laughs> is his di- directorial <sighs> debut. It also stars Michelle Monaghan and, and Corbin Burnson. Basically, Robert Downey Jr. plays Harry Lockhart, who is a petty criminal, and he's in the middle of a robbery that goes horribly wrong, and he ends up on a set, a movie set, in the middle of an audition. And he confesses to the crime that he's committed and, and some of his other bad deeds. And, and the director is there and he thinks Harry is an actor and he's so impressed. He thinks like Harry is this method actor and, and he's just he's just dived into this role. So he sends Harry for a screen test for another movie where he meets Val Kilmer's character, Gay Perry, and all these complications and hijinks ensue, and there's a lot of mistaken identity, and Robert Downey Jr. gets framed for something, and it's it's it, it kind of turns into a little bit of an action movie, and a little bit of kind of an old-fashioned film noir in, in a little bit of a way, and I think it's I like uh, the 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 relationship between Downey and Kilmer's characters. I think they have really great chemistry. I always like watching Val Kilmer on screen because he's always a little bit unpredictable. Yeah. Like um, he's, 
you know, he was Doc Holliday and Tombstone, and he's just done so many great things, and, but you never really know what he's going to do next. So it, it's really great to see them together. And this movie happened just before Downey's big comeback. And, you know, Harry Lockhart is a criminal, and he's probably not the most reliable person. And, and you can see a little bit of Robert Downey Jr. in the character of Harry. So it, it, cool. it's kind of interesting. He, I, I think Robert Downey Jr. gives a little bit more depth to a character that that you would not normally maybe like as much. And I think it's this is really kind of a dumb action movie, but in a way it's really smart. Yeah. Because the character of Harry is kind of aware in a little in a way that he's in a detective movie. And he's kind of commenting on the action, and he thinks he knows what's going to happen next because he's seen it in movies. So it's it's a movie movie in a little bit of a way, and and it's a detective movie, and it's 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 really smart, and and I think it's 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 also very clever, and I really enjoyed it. Oh, very cool, and and I full confession time. It's a, it's been in my queue for some time now. I've never seen it, and I really want to see it. And you've made me want to see it even more. So, <laughs> bravo. Good, my job here is done. Yes. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And uh, Jason, did you uh, want to throw your pick our way? <clears throat> yeah, sure. Um, mine <laughs> isn't quite as... Um... Yeah, yeah. Follow <laughs> that one up, pal. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine, actually, I went with uh, Kelly LeBrock. Now, I know in the past I have said that I try not to go with the main characters of the movie when I find a connection, but um, in this one I just I was so enamored and I... I really enjoyed her performance in Weird Science. I thought, gosh, what have, what else have I seen her in that I've liked her this much? And I went back to one that I saw just a year before this came out, which was The Woman in Red with Gene mm, Wilder, oh, yeah. um, which was a funny movie as I remember, but I haven't seen it in a really long time. Um, it's basically the story of Teddy, who is this kind of run-of-the-mill guy, run-of-the-mill life with his wife. And one day he's commuting home from work and he comes across – Kelly LeBrock, and he sees her in this red dress, and he just basically becomes completely enamored with her. Um, he sees, you know, her. It's sort of symbolically as what he wanted his life to be, um, and he gets caught up in this world of he tries to pretend that he's something else so that he can meet with her, and he accidentally calls this kind of school marmy normal woman, who's like this ad exec, uh, who as it turns out, is actually Gilda Radner, who in real life was Gene Wilder's wife. So this funny triad of his real life, Gilda Radner, who he had accidentally called, and Kelly LeBrock all sort of build up to this climax where all three worlds collide, where he's trying to keep them apart. And I remember it being funny, and I'm a big fan of Gene Wilder's stuff. Um, I, I like some of the stuff he did with Richard Pryor best, but this one I remember liking very much when it came out. But I'm going to have to rewatch it because I haven't seen it in so long. Um, but you know, it's got Kelly LeBrock, so enough said. I like it. I like it. I mean, Gene Wilder is somebody who, uh, I probably, I feel like I need to revisit, you know, his films and get to know him better, uh, because it was around sort of the same time and I was probably following a different track given my age. So I think, you know, Gene Wilder, Wilder is definitely somebody to, to get to know better. Yeah. He was definitely a comic genius. The guy was hilarious. I mean, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to catch back up. I'd like to catch back up on his stuff because, I mean, he did. He had a stint there where he did quite a few pretty big movies and, um, you know, made a lot of uh, a lot of money on those. But I just think some of the stuff I've seen him in, especially the early stuff, I really, really liked. like. Like so. Haunted Honeymoon. <laughs> I actually like that 
movie. Of course you do. Of course you do. Oh dear lord. It's Willy Wonka. Yeah, he he is Willy Wonka. He is the only I got I love Johnny Depp, but he is and will forever will be Willy Wonka to me. They remade Willy Wonka? You didn't know that? Oh yeah. Yes. In my yes. world, they didn't remake Willy okay. Wonka. Oh. I'm choosing to ignore that. <laughs> okay. With Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp was... Yeah, Johnny Depp as Willy Wonka. Mm-hmm. Creepy Willy Wonka. Yeah, really creepy. Very... Although, was he as creepy as he was in the Alice in Wonderland movie? <laughs> yes, it was about equal. Yeah. Um, he was not as good as in Pirates, but it was weird. It yeah. It was just weird. Yes, indeed. Okay, well, great. I get to follow both of those up with mine. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, uh, yes, I'm very excited because... Uh, my pick is from 1993, the year what brought us Jurassic Park and Schindler's List. Uh, it's also the year that Indian Summer came out. Do you remember that little flick? Um, oh, no. I don't remember that. Yes. Uh, Bill, sounds... I picked it because of Bill Paxton. He plays one of the main characters in it, a guy named uh, Jack Belston, I believe. And it's... <sighs> basically about a group of friends that get together uh, they they went to the summer campus kids and they're reuniting for one last hurrah kind of getting away from their you know uh, rat race kind of lives and and coming together and sort of reassessing everything and uh, they're doing it because the camp is going to be closing down although I, I think they're all called there they don't really know that okay, spoiler alert uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not a big surprise it's being closed down yeah yeah oopsie um but uh, they find out it's basically the big chill but at a summer camp with people mm-hmm. that grew up probably like in the mid to late 70s as opposed to the 60s and they weren't college friends they were like childhood friends but uh it, i rem- this is again a probably a raving case of cnd i remember really enjoying the movie <laughs> it was a very sweet kind of you know care a little character driven kind of kind of picture uh it was directed by uh mike binder who if you look him up he's been and actually he's been an actor i think as many things as he's directed um he also directed blank man with damon wayans so take that for what it's worth uh and uh, it also had diane lane in it, the woman who shall never age, because I swear to God, that woman looks amazing. Um, I know. And uh, it, uh, uh, Alan Arkin is the guy who's running the camp. So, I mean, it's got a, it's got a great cast. Elizabeth Perkins is in it, Kevin Pollack. Um, the main reason I remember going to see it at this uh, the age I was then, because I was a huge horror buff, and Sam Raimi, the guy who directed the right, Ted right. Pictures and Spider-Man, he actually has a pretty decent role in it. He, I, I want to say he plays like the, the like a maintenance worker at the camp or something of that level. Like he's not, I don't think he's one of their pals. Like he's kind of outside the group is my memory of it, but I have not seen this movie probably since it came out. But <laughs> Sam I, Raimi as Stick. Yeah, there it is. Stick yeah. Coder. Yeah, Stick yes. Coder. <laughs> So yeah, it, 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 I remember enjoying it. I remember it being a fun kind of kind of lighthearted you know type of picture. So yes, Indian Summer, nineteen ninety three, and of course uh, from Ryan and Jen we got uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and Jason brought us Kelly LeBrock in The Woman in Red. It is a woman in red, right? I always want to say the lady in red, but it's a woman. In red. Yes, a woman yeah. in red. Okay, she's all. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, she is indeed. She is indeed. So, okay, we'll go ahead and uh, bust out our promo and uh, move on from there. You got questions? JV Mail's got answers. JV Mail. 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 Wednesdays, 8, 7, 7. Of course, I realized I'm a complete doof. I probably should just go ahead at this point and say, popspotting.com, popspotting.com. Go to popspotting.com and check out popspotting.com. <laughs> you like pop culture, they've got pop culture, popspotting.com. So we had two promos. In. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, 
So yeah, so uh, guys, any any final words? It's been fan freaking tastic having you on and you putting up with us, um, me in in particular. And uh, it, this has been seriously amazing. We really appreciate you guys being on here. So uh, no, it, you guys are so much fun. It, it's been a blast. I was really kind of nervous. I felt unprepared, but now I feel really comfortable. <laughs> yeah, because and you, I'm really you, glad you you, re- you realized. There was nothing to worry about, Jen. <laughs> it takes no preparation to do what we do. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. might be another way to uh, interpret yeah, that. Yeah, but no, no. She loves I your know, podcast. I know. I'm just <laughs> busting her chops. And, you know, she has some, some great taste, some some really well, you know, some, some great podcasts. And Forgotten Flicks is very high up on that list. And I think when we're in the car, it's a toss-up now between you guys and film spotting. And Forgotten Flicks wins quite a bit. Oh, my God. Well, I'd like to quote Weird Science, as, uh, particularly one of the girlfriends, when I say, well, we all make mistakes sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know that I'm going to be able to do this show anymore now that I have that information. So I'm, I'm feeling a little, I'm honestly feeling a little like this, guys. <laughs> That's awesome. I was trying to figure out how I was going to that part of the It never gets old. So, yes, on that note, Jason, would you like to hit us with the, the voicemail? Yes, please. If you have any feedback on any of the movies that are coming up, you can check movies out that are coming up um, on the show on ForgottenFlicks.com. And give us a call anytime, anywhere, specifically Sweden, if you happen to live there. Yeah, really. Uh, give us a call at 206-203-0491. Yes, indeedy. And check us out on Twitter. I am Forgotten Flicks. Jason is Flick Sidekick. And we are both, uh, well, both, yeah, because we're the only ones there on Facebook. It's, yeah, it's a pretty going. lonely place. It's very no echoey. There. There's a real bad echo when we walk it's through. It's a new thing. Yeah. New thing yeah. called Facebook. Yeah, yeah, F-book. And we have a couple pages over there. We've got the Forgotten Flicks uh, kind of official fan page, and we also have the Forgotten Flicks podcast group page. So if you want to come on over there, and uh, we've done some things up with the site. Our, our buddy Kevin Spencer over at inkspatters.com. I wrote, I put a tweet out for him the other day. I put dot con. <laughs> and then, of course, he had to follow it up by busting my chops. I said, hey, I was just trying to reference your stint over there in Sing Sing, buddy. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Luckily, luckily, he can put up with us. So, yes, Kevin Spencer's doing some amazing artwork. He did the yes. new banner we've got up there, and obviously all our show notes are. So we really appreciate him doing that. And, of course, our buddy JV, you know, meet, meeting us halfway across the sky with our wonderful spoiler <laughs> alerts. <laughs> I think I'm going to try and work in a reference to Over the Top. And that song in virtually every show now. I think I'm just going to do Are it. Are we doing over the top? Um, Easter egg. Easter egg. Yeah, it'll be an Easter egg. See if you can catch it. Yes. I'm just going to find little random lines. <laughs> uh, you'll be like, Jason, Joel, what are you doing? Yo, you, and I'll be like, I'm just, I'm just working out my bicep. I've got one of these like chain pulley things. And uh, I'm just, <clears throat> yes. <laughs> I, work out my, I work out my right arm when I'm driving yeah, my right. tra- wait, wait, trailer. I got to go to work. Turn my, turn my cap around. Got to go to work. Yep. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know if over the top's on the list or not, dude. Actually, I got to check that. We, we I have it scheduled out the, for the entire year, but we've already I, we've gone through and what like changed it five times. <laughs> Welcome to podcasting. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's like, oh crap, this one isn't on Netflix anymore. Oh crap, we'll I don't on, feel like doing this one. We'll put it on 2013. How about that? There you go. At least yes. <laughs> We're gonna be scraping the bottle of the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say the bottle of the barrel? I meant the, the bottle. The bottle of the barrel. The bottle That's of the okay. barrel. Yeah, so on that note, <clears throat> gentlemen and lovely lady, and of course, Jen, we realized this has been like a ridiculous boys club up to this point. Oh, that's okay. Because <laughs> seriously, like Jason, right before going, he goes, you do realize, Jen? It's the first woman we've had. I was like, oh, yeah, good point. I am? Yeah. Oh, I guess I am. Yeah, you really are. Yep. 
<laughs> proving once and for all just how unbelievably nerdy we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that makes me a nerd too. Well, well you know what? Honestly, and and and, and I'm not trying to, you know, you know, make any 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 comments, you know, because I your husband's, in, in, you know, he might hear things. Yes, you are. Um, yes, but you are. <laughs> uh, it, it, I am honored to have you be our first. And uh, okay. and uh, <laughs> I, oh oh really, Jason? I wasn't even going there. You're such a yes, you were. I would never, Ryan, never. Why? Please, please don't kill me. <laughs> uh, yes. So no, it, it's been fantastic, guys. Seriously, it's awesome having you on here. I can't even believe how cool it is. And, and here by a plane. You're and, dead. And if if yeah, I'm a dead man. He'll wear a diaper to get here. Uh, if uh, if you want to come back on at any time, you let us know. Obviously, the Killer Clowns episode is waiting in the wings. So. Uh huh. Let us know. This has been so much fun. Good. Thanks, guys. Good. I'm glad you guys had fun. So uh, on that note, remember. Popspotting.com, popspotting.com, popspotting.com. That'll do it. Although uh, I would also say that if you want to make everybody. Oh, let me pause the music. Really? Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> no, no, go, 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 go. Oh, no, because I didn't know there, there was a cue there. No, sorry. no, no. I, I normally just try to like end it at some point because otherwise my ADD kicks in and this will never end. I got you. Uh, <laughs> right, I hear you. No, go ahead. Go. What were you going to say? Yes, popspotting.com or dot net works. Um, oh, is it dot net? Oh, Twitter. crap. No, that's it cool. is dot that's net, cool. isn't it? And then uh, we're on Twitter at popspotting, Facebook as well. But what I really wanted to say is the most important, wonderful thing that, that listeners out there can do is to go ahead and call 206-203-0491 because voicemails are awesome. Yes. And well, I know you guys love them as much as we do. Yes. So well, thank you so much for that. A call. And I actually will be going back now. <laughs> And if if you're listening to this, you're going to hear me go back and go, popspotting.net, popspotting.net, <laughs> popspotting.net. And I'm going to sound really alone when I'm doing that because they won't be laughing over top of it or anything. But I'm going to be saying popspotting.net because I'm an idiot, popspotting.net. No, dot com just redirects to dot net. It, oh, okay. Okay, you own both? Okay, we're good. Yeah, we own both. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Perfection. <laughs> that saves me. I love the joy of post, though. Oh, yeah, well, I try to avoid it if I can. I was going to say, not a lot of editing goes on in this show. <laughs> yeah, not really. Not really. So on that note, popspotting.net, popspotting.net, popspotting.net. Ryan and Jen are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, guys. You know me. It's. JV. Uh, I know that this isn't exactly the, uh, you know, people calling segment of the show, but I just wanted to let you know before anything happens, okay, that there's going to be some spoilers coming out the head. So watch out. If you haven't seen this movie yet, you better watch out. Because you know what's going to happen? Next thing you know, Jesus is going to be talking about, oh, no, I forgot to get back to the doll. And next thing you know, a big time freaking missile comes out of the floor. And then. If you weren't warned that there's going to be spoilers, then that exact moment was just spoiled for you. So keep that in mind listening to the rest of this episode, okay? They're going to talk about stuff that happens specifically in the movie that may or may not spoil your viewing pleasure if you have not yet watched the movie. And that's a true story. And then later on, I'm going to call in and talk about the completely wrong subject matter for this episode. So stay tuned.